This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Welcome back to Hey Bartender, the podcast. This is our second episode. Today's episode, we decided to call Get to Know Your Bartender. Me, I'm your bartender. Everybody always has questions for the bartender, where they've been, where they're from, what they do. So, today I'm going to answer a few of those questions. But first, as along with every podcast that I do, I'm hoping, we're going to start off with a drink. Let's talk about... A drink called Sex on My Face. Ooh. This is brought to you by Shannon Moore, one of Wilsonville's best bartenders they've ever had. Okay, so pay attention. There's a lot that goes in this. You'll want to get yourself a pint glass. Put in equal parts. Yukon Jack, Southern Comfort, Amaretto, Bacardi 151, Malibu Rum, Bacardi Light, Splash of Orange, Cranberry, Pineapple Juice. Then you take a fat red straw, stick it in the drink, make a smiley face with whipped cream, and put some whipped cream up and down that straw. Guess what that looks like, ladies? Anyway, remember to take that drink to your bartender and ask them to make it for you. Odds are they don't know how to make it because drinks out there are weird. There's a thousand different drinks with a thousand different names made a thousand different ways. I mean, if you really think about it, there's a simple shot out there. It's uh, basically in a shot glass, you got half butter shots and half Baileys. Now, depending on who you are, where you're from, what you do, what planet, what TV show you watch, I don't care. That drink is called so many things. It's called the Copper Camel. It's called the Cowboy Cocksucker. It's called Butter Shots. It, it's called a lot of different drinks. So if you go up to a bartender and ask them, you know, make me an oatmeal cookie, and they give you something that you don't recognize or don't know what the hell it is, it's not their fault. That's just the way they learned how to make it. I mean, there's even a whole bunch of drinks you can walk up to a bartender and say, give me... A Ringo on the Sunset Boulevard. And they'll just look at you and go, what the hell is that? But, on the lighter side of that, you get to tell them how to make the drink. And that way, that drink is made the way you want it. However, be prepared. Because the bartender might charge you exactly for every piece of alcohol that you put in there. So, think about that. Okay, so where are we going today? Well, it's time to get to know your bartender. This is my story. This is how you get to know me. When you walk into my bar, you see me. Let's pretend for a second that it's just you and me. Whoever you are listening to this podcast, greatly appreciate it. But you and me are in the bar. There's nobody else in there. You sit down. You have your favorite drink. Think about what it is. Really get into the moment here with me. You order your favorite drink, let's just say rum and coke. I pour you rum and coke, I hand it to you, and you say, so how's your day going? I usually go, not bad. You say, what's your name? And I probably say that, you know, everybody calls me the dude, so why not? But by the way, people have been calling me the dude way before the Big Lebowski, so, you know, deal with it. 
Anyway, how I started to become a bartender. See, back, way back, um, jobs where I'm from were really hard to come by. And I just wasn't happy anywhere that I worked. I mean, I'm okay with computers. I'm obviously doing audio production type of stuff. I know how to do that. But getting jobs in that was a pain in the ass. Because you have to go through internships and you make no money. And I needed money. I mean, I really needed it. Because I had a car payment and not to mention I had a girlfriend. And let's just face it, when you have a girlfriend, you need money. So I was watching TV one night. And I saw that there was this advertisement for the Bartending Academy. It was this place that taught you how to be a bartender. And I thought to myself... I could be a bartender. I can pour drinks. How you know how difficult could that be? So I spent the large amount of money. Actually, I borrowed it from my parents. I spent the large amount of money to take their two-week course. They taught me maybe close to 150 drinks. I probably remember 10 of them when I left. Most of them are easy, just with crazy names. I mean, you get a rum and coke. You put a lime on that, all of a sudden it becomes a Cuba Libre. Weird. Okay. But I went through the whole course, and luckily, the teacher that I had was a bartender from way back. Uh, Her name was Sandy, if I remember right. She liked to teach about bartending, but the biggest thing that she was passionate about was teaching about customer service. It's hard to teach about customer service in a classroom situation because you're you don't have any customers you don't have somebody that will talk back to you you don't have somebody that will try to get your attention it's you know it's just a situation that can't be taught you have to learn it so after going through that two-week course i searched and searched and searched for a job ended up being a banquet bartender for a few months banquet bartending isn't bad, but the jobs are few and far between. And there's always the big setup and the always the big breakdown. Some of the banquets were actually pretty fun. They had some really cool bands come in to play for whatever meeting happened to happen. And I remember uh, it was New Year's Eve and the local country radio station was holding a New Year's Eve party at uh, the banquet room that I worked at. And they had a great country band in there. I remember making fun of them a little bit because uh, they played a song by Alan Jackson and they uh, sang the lyrics, if I had the money, tell you what I'd do, go downtown, buy a Ford truck or two, crazy, you know, and they sang the commercial because at that commercial, Alan Jackson was advertising Ford trucks. And I stopped the band when they came over to my, uh, my bar, asked for a couple beers. I said, no, didn't you sing the wrong lyrics? Isn't it supposed to be Mercury? They just laughed at me and went about their way. But every once in a while, I'd uh, talk to, like, the jazz bands and, you know, ask them to play something that they didn't intend on playing, but they usually played it pretty well. I'm a big fan of Dave Brubeck. The song Take Five, love it. But let's talk about how that job ended. See, I got tired of the whole idea of banquet bartending. I wasn't making very much money, if any at all, just because... There wasn't a whole lot of work to do. There wasn't a lot of banquets to bartend. And 
it was just long, hard hours. And plus, not well, long, hard hours for very little money. And plus, it came down to they got in the way of me and my friends and my family. My girlfriend at the time needed me really bad as emotional support. And I had to work that night, and I sat back and said, I can't do it. I, I've got to stay here with her. And so I called him up, and I said, hey, listen, I can't come into work. Can you uh, get somebody to cover for me because my girlfriend really needs help right now? And they said, no, Anthony, you need to come in right now. Well, now it was the end of that because I became obsessed with this idea like, well, if they force me to come into work, uh, because my uh, girlfriend needs me, and she needed me really bad at that time. What are they going to do if my act, my blood family needs me? I'm just, you know, no, I will not work for somebody that makes me do that. Makes me choose between work and family. So anyway, I decided to move on. I quit that job without having another job ready to go. I highly suggest nobody does that. Then I kept looking and looking and looking for a job. And then finally, an old friend of the family, I ran into their daughter at the local record store. Love record stores. You know, too bad they're not around that much anymore. But I ran into a friend of the family's daughter at a record store, and she said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm looking for work. And she says, well, let me see what I can do, and I might be able to get you a job at our restaurant. And I said, Cool. About a week or two later, uh, she gives me a call and says, you want to come be a bartender at, uh, at Paradise Grill? I feel like I can say the name now because uh, the place doesn't exist anymore. But I said, yes, I need a job. I need money. So I go to work Paradise Grill out in Wilsonville, Oregon. If anybody listened to this podcast, uh, remembers that bar, good for you. So... I'm working behind the bar. Uh, the first couple months were a very difficult couple months for me. First of all, in the first week, the guy that was training me behind the bar, let me tell you, this guy was a real rocket scientist. Apparently, he was selling weed while he was slinging drinks. And he left his stash on top of the bar f- for everybody to see and locked the door on his way out and all of a sudden realized, oh, I forgot something and I can't get back in the door. He pretty much just sat back and hoped that the manager wouldn't see it on the table, sitting on top of the table, open up the box and uh, see what it was. But unfortunately, the manager did. So the uh, the manager gives me a call that afternoon and says, "Uh, I'm going to need you to come in because we just fired our other two bartenders. And I said, "Okay." Lots of things. It became this huge culture shock for me uh, as a bartender. Because like I said, I didn't know much about customer service. I thought all I was going to do is just sling drinks. That's it. But people are actually expecting me to talk to them. I mean, hold conversations. And, you know, at that time, I would say I was pretty antisocial. Great uh, personality to have when you're a bartender. But somehow, for the next month or two, I managed to get by. But then finally... Uh, another bartender had just been released from a bar across across town and she got offered a job to come work at Paradise with me and she changed everything for me. 
I had accidentally developed the reputation of being quiet, standoffish. People just didn't know what they were, uh, what to think about me. The actually actually came off kind of mean. But uh, Shannon, who was to be my partner in crime, she was also the woman that told me about the drink at the beginning of this episode. She taught me everything I know about customer service. She was. I mentioned her in the last podcast. She had the patience to deal with anyone, anything, anywhere, anytime. She was a role model, basically. She taught me how to lighten up, and not to mention she actually told the customers, he's joking. And they're like, oh, I get it now. All right. Okay, now I'm starting to understand this guy. And, you know, I started to lighten up uh, quite a bit over time. Shannon and I, we killed it in that bar. And we worked together really well. She was a great partner, great friend. And she helped me understand uh, what exactly the bartender's job is. It's not just to sling drinks. You've got to entertain. You've got to socialize. It's more than just being a server at that type of bar. I mean, it might be different when you're in a corporate situation where people don't really sit at the bar. They go sit at a table or, you know, the servers come up and get their drinks. Almost completely different. But Paradise Grill was your basic mom and pop bar. And, you know, it. a lot of people just came up to the bar because that's, uh, that's where we were. We didn't really have servers out on the floor. Uh, most days, at least. But um, over time, instead of being the quiet, standoffish bartender, there was a karaoke night that we had. And I went up to our karaoke DJ. She was a nice girl. And she she and I would always talk about music. She and I would talk about audio engineering and uh, odd things like that. And then one night, I, I think it was my night off. She dared me to come up and sing a karaoke song. And I thought, ah, hell, why not? And the first song I sang at karaoke that night was It Had to Be You, done by the Harry Connick Jr. Orchestra. The first note that I sang, It Had to Be, I all of a sudden heard her go, whoa. And I was like, what was that all about? Sang the song, and she's like, wow, you're a lot better singer than I thought you were going to be. And I was like, well, thanks, I guess. So anyway, that's uh, where the karaoke thing kind of continued. One night when it was kind of slow, I walked over to the karaoke DJ, and that was when Santana just released the album Supernatural. And I said, do you happen to have that song that Santana did with Rob Thomas? It's called Smooth. She goes to her... uh, catalog and says actually yes i just got it last week i said yeah i think i want to do sing that song tonight and she says okay so i got up you know when it was my turn and i sang it and then all of a sudden the patrons that we had coming in to do karaoke started asking me every karaoke night are you going to get up and sing smooth are you are you going to get up get up and sing smooth and that's where i accidentally thanks to the karaoke DJ, got the title. Let's call it a title. I like that. Uh, I got the title of being called The Amazing Singing Bartender. 
So not only did I sling drinks, but I also sang. My customers really enjoyed it, and so I kept doing it. Manager wasn't too wild about that because I would have to leave uh, leave from behind the bar every now and then, but it was all about entertaining the customers. While later, all of a sudden, the manager calls me up, and I'm thinking that day that things are going great at Paradise Grill. Shannon and I had the bar humming and making tons of money, and... All of a sudden, they, uh, the manager calls me up and she says, um, we're going to have to fire you. I went, huh? And she goes, yeah, it's, you know, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening. And, you know, we had to choose between you and Shannon and Shannon's a better choice. Um, you're fired. And I don't get what it is about some managers calling people up on the phone to fire them. If you're a manager and you're listening to this, don't do that. It's a cop-out. It, it's rude. There's so many things I can call it. So I very, very respectfully, probably, they probably didn't deserve it, just said, well, okay, I understand. Thank you very much. I appreciate working for you. Uh, I'll be in later to uh, collect my last paycheck and give you my uniform. And that I did. Then for a little while, a couple months, uh pretty much was unemployed, had a hard time finding a job anywhere else. I had some friends that were really uh, nice about trying to get me interviews and things like that. One friend of mine, uh, her name was Trish. She got me an interview over at Red Robin. And the funny thing about that interview was as soon as I walked in, I see everybody crowded around a table singing happy birthday to one of their customers. Then Trish turns around, sees me, and she goes, Oh, great, you're here! And I'm like, yeah, and I'm leaving. And she quickly grabbed my arm, and uh, I sat down and talked to the manager. Nothing ever came of that. I'm not sure why. But, so it goes. I managed to work for a couple months at a dive bar. And when I say dive bar, I mean way dive. Uh, in Sherwood. It was called The Peddler. It doesn't exist anymore either. Oh, hope that's not a theme. Anyway, uh, when I worked at the Sherwood Peddler, uh, he that place had been hit so many times by the Liquor Control Commission, by police. You know, the police watched that place constantly. So a lot of people were afraid to go there. So I made absolutely no money there. Most of the time when I closed, it was me by myself sitting on the bar watching Comedy Central. I swear to God. And there was nothing to do. And, you know, I didn't have enough money to walk over to the Kino machine or anything like that. So it just, you know, finally one day I just said, um, please, anybody help me get a job. Finally, my good friend Barb, she calls me up and says, we've got an opening over at Boston's back in Wilsonville. And... Uh, you know, we'd love to have you work here. And I was like, please, thank you. Yes, I want to do it. And when I got there, uh, I got some of my old customers back. I said goodbye to the peddler. I, I even was nice enough to give him two weeks notice. And, and even though they, I didn't figure they deserved it. But uh, when I got to Boston's, I got some of my old customers back. Saw some of my old friends. They were happy to see me. And... 
it was nice to be back in the atmosphere that uh, where I knew people. You know, I mean, it's that whole cheers thing where everybody knows your name. It's comforting. And I was able to make more friends. Uh, some of the people that I uh, became friends with at Boston's actually used to go to Paradise Grill, but they got sick of the place because the atmosphere changed and uh, the managers weren't very nice to them. Well, they were the Harley Riders. Now, any aspiring servers or bartenders out there working in mom and pop hole in the walls, if you have Harley Riders come into your bar, make friends with them. Because when you have a Harley Rider as a friend, you have a friend for life. I am certain. There's this one time. I'm going to tell you this story. Uh, There's this one time where some kids came into the bar with the intention of starting a fight. It's it's like they woke up that morning saying, I feel like getting into a fight. I'm going to go get stinking drunk at my friend's house first. Then we're going to go to a bar, get even more drunk, get kicked out. And then we're going to go to another bar and start a fight. Uh, I'm, you know, some of these kids actually do think like that, believe it or not. So these kids get into a fight uh, over the pool table. That's like the number two thing to get in a fight about in a bar. First one is a girl, but that day it was the pool table. So these guys are having a little bit of a fight over a ruling of a shot. And then one guy uh, got this brilliant idea of slapping the other player and then running right out the door. His other friend, though, wanted to make sure that I didn't follow him, so he stood in my way to get out um, get out and get the kid's license plate. But when he decided it was the right time to do it, he spun around and slapped me in the face. At that point in time, I realized I'd just been slapped. I looked him right in the eye and I said, you better leave. And he just spun around like a badass and strutted right out the door. I turn around and I see the Harley riders stand behind me. I am convinced to this day that if I spun around and turned to the Harley riders and said, kill, they would have done it because they were loyal to me. They, they liked me and it was, you know, they were that cool of people. So just a reminder, I mean, be nice to your customers because they're the people that are going to back you up. Most of the time, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, there's some customers, I'm sure, that uh, if something happened in the bar, they'd be like, I didn't see nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. I've broken up a handful of fights. There was one time even at Paradise Grill, I remember, uh, because it was kind of funny. I knew... From the very beginning when I became a bartender that women can break up a fight between men way faster than a guy can. I mean, because guys can look and see, you know, most, most guys are the type of guy that would never hit a woman. Most guys, not all. But there was one night where I was working at Paradise Grill and these two guys decided to get into a fight. My partner, Shannon, she... Uh, I noticed the fight break out and all of a sudden I noticed her start to jump out from behind the bar. My immediate instinct was to grab her, throw her out of the way and jump in the middle of the fight and start separating people. And as soon as the whole thing was over with, we got the people out of the bar. Everybody was calmed down, having a good time again. I turned and looked at her and I said, what the hell were you thinking? You've got four kids to go home to and you're jumping out in the middle of a fight. 
I had no business saying that. She could have broke it up way better than I could have. But, you know, come on. She put herself in danger. She's got kids to worry about. But, you know, when it really comes down to it, the relationship between everybody that works in that restaurant, the cooks, the bartenders, the servers, the bussers, if you have them at your particular restaurant, you all become family. It's, it just happens. You all know each other. You tend to hang out with each other. You don't know why. And, you know, develop feelings for each other and make fun of each other. It, everything, you know, it just goes slightly beyond friendship. It goes beyond relationship. You all are basically family. And we were always there to support each other constantly. And in whatever situation might have happened. It's like uh, all the all the women that I've worked with, uh, Shannon, Barb, another Shannon, Jennifer, uh, Hattie, Hattie, uh, yeah. They looked after me all the time because when it comes to uh, women in general, I'm an idiot. Fair, basic, fair and simple. I mean, I am a first class idiot when it comes to women. Since I, you know, since all these women that I just mentioned worked with me, that, uh, well, two, two of them were married and one had a boyfriend i actually did date uh, one for a little while but uh well three of them were married but um when it came down to it all of them pretty much agreed shannon started at first where she said anthony if you would have no clue a woman liked you unless she hit you over the head with a two by four and even then you'd probably question that's just how i am i'm a little shy and uh, I just, you know, women, yeah, okay, do intimidate me a little bit, but for good reason. I mean, I went to as a high school, well, my whole school career was basically, I was out, men were outnumbered by women my whole life because the school that I went to was an all girls school until I started attending there because my parents wanted both their daughter and their son to be at the same school, mostly out of convenience. And so I'd been outnumbered by women and things like sexual harassment or, you know, uh, guys using women or guy, you know, just things like that were like multiplied on an exponential level. So I was scared to death constantly that I would say or do the wrong thing around women and that one would pretty much uh talk me out of you know hitting on women myself there are bartenders out there that can sweet talk a woman within seconds me i have no idea what i'm doing there was even one time you know that mega touch machine in some bars that they have the mega touch machine is this little thing that you can play little touch screen video games on this girl was playing a uh trivia game and she said uh let's do uh this let's make the quiz subject sex anthony can you give us a hand and i said i don't know anything about sex she turned and looked at her friends and said at least he's honest it's really too bad too because she was cute but anyway um 
I don't know if women ever hit on me when I was a bartender because I'm dense, uh, you know, and it just never occurred to me. Um, there were some women that in my mind came on really strong and that kind of scared me a little bit, but no, nothing, nothing much ever happened. Women used to feel pretty safe around me and, you know, phrases like you're such a nice guy, uh, you, that to me usually translated to you are never going to see me naked and, or even I'm going to date leather wearing alcoholics and complain about them. To you. I stole those lines from Friends. Uh, that TV show Friends. Sorry about that. But, you know, that just that's just the way I went. I mean, I became pretty happy that women felt safe around me. I was always a gentleman. I never did anything that I didn't think that was appropriate. There were probably about a thousand things where girls were trying to drop a thousand hints. Where I should have tried something, but I never did. Because I'm just too damn shy. But, you know, to have have the girls trust, yeah, it's kind of pathetic. But uh, it, you know, it women seem to appreciate it. So I just kind of went, I went with it. Which is probably why I'm single to this day. I'm not advertising, just saying. So anyway, we're coming up to the end of the, this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got to know me a little bit. I'd love to get to know you people out there. So if you get a chance, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, look up Hey Bartender. Leave comments, leave messages, leave pictures, do anything you want. In fact, I got my first question on my Facebook account. The guy asked, so are we going to see a whole bunch of drunk people on this podcast or what? Okay, um... You're not going to see him because this is radio, not TV. Um, I would like to interview other bartenders, other servers, get their stories on, on the air, and have a little bit of fun with this. If you have a story, if you have a joke, if you just have something quick to say, go to Hey Bartender on Facebook and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from any of you. If you want to send me a message, go ahead and do that too. You can send me an email at heybartender at gmail.com. But it, I would also like to ask for your help. I'd like this podcast to continue on. I'd like this podcast to grow. I want to have swag to give away. I want this to be a real show. But I'm, uh, if you could help me out, go to kickstart.com. That's where... If you look up Hey Bartender, the podcast, or Hey Bar- Bartender podcast, you'll see a kickstart campaign to help me pay for this podcast. With your help, your donations, your funding, I will be able to buy better equipment, get out there, advertise the show, talk to other bartenders, get more music talent on the show. I want this to be huge. I want to have a lot of fun with this. So, you want to contact me, heybartenderpodcast at gmail.com, or look up Hey Bartender Podcast on Facebook, and if you want to think about it like this, think about dropping me a tip on Kickstarter. I know it sounds kind of like a desperation attempt, but hey, 
So, we're coming up to the point in my podcast where I introduce a new musical talent out there. Something you might not have heard before. But I really want to use this time to promote some of these independent bands, independent projects, and really get their name out there. Just because I don't think MTV will anymore. I mean, come on. When was the last time MTV played a music video? I mean, mostly all you get is things like Jersey Shore and junk like that. But anyway, today's musical feature that we have is an artist by the name of Adam Dvorak. He is a guitar player, excellent musician, and I really like this song that he came up with. This is a song called Angry X by Adam Dvorak. Let it go. Just let it go. 
That was Item Dvorak with Angry X. Unfortunately, it's not available for download or to buy just yet, but keep an eye out for this guy. He's pretty good. Last thing I'm going to talk about for this podcast, to get to know your bartender. I am not the type of bartender that knows jack shit about politics or sports. If you want to talk about politics or sports, you got to go somewhere else, because I'm a pop culture junkie. I know more about music, movies, television then I know anything about sports. I mean, I did enjoy that one game where the Cubs lost to the Marlins because that fan caught the uh, caught the ball right above the uh, right above the outfielder. That was hilarious. But I don't really know anything. I don't know stats. I don't know players. I don't know anything about any football game, any baseball game, basketball game. Just forget it. You can't talk to me about sports. You walk up to me and say. Hey, uh, what did you think of that game last night? And I'll say, I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Some people actually see me walking around town wearing a New York Yankees hat, and some random stranger will walk up to me and go, Hey, how about them Yankees, huh? And if I don't just shrug them off, I'll say, Listen, I don't wear this because of the Yankees. I wear this because Billy Joel played Yankee Stadium one year. True. It's That is the honest truth. But anyway, so we're coming up on the closing of this podcast. I appreciate y'all for listening. Like I said, if you want to contact me, email me at heybartenderpodcast at gmail.com or you can get on Facebook to the Hey Bartender Podcast or, I don't know, shout out a window or something. You never know. I might hear you. So anyway, this is the dude. This is the Hey Bartender Podcast. As usual, I'd like to wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anybody. 
Good night, everyone.